This episode is brought to you by CK Lynn Mindset Coaching for Leaders, Entrepreneurs, and High Achievers. Whatever neurotic thoughts, persistent anxieties, unhealthy obsessions you have are interfering with your decision-making ability. More than holding you back from building a high-impact organization, these neurotic thoughts are costing your confidence, health, relationships, and fun. Having a clear mind will empower you to tap into your true potential and achieve extraordinary results with more ease and freedom. If you're ready for and committed to a full transformation, visit www.talkwithck.com and apply for a free clarity session today. Yeah, you know what came through really strong was the question of who am I? Mm. <laughs> like, who are you? That was a question that just came through. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like no, 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 that's not, that's too big of a question. <laughs> Move on, moving on, next. <laughs> Bless you. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and then I'm like, no, that's the question. I'm really excited to have my friend Jose Caballero to be with us today. He is a designer, agency owner, former agency owner, consultant, entrepreneur, advisor, and now stepping into being a spiritual teacher. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the show, Jose. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, before we started recording we actually started talking about uh, reinvention yeah so tell us a little bit about your journey of reinventing yourself over and over again <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking about a tattoo yesterday and I um, mentioned it to somebody and I said you know when I just tattoo the word again on my on my on my forearm so I can see it every day and say oh again and then she said why don't you just do an infinity symbol I'm like oh Mm. I might be a little bit more efficient because mm. I think reinvention is cons a concept. You're reinventing yourself every day, right? When you wake up with the intentions that you have for the day, with the things that happened that day, all of those things form your, you know, your life, right? So, so this idea of like reinvention in our society is kind of like a taboo that you need to stick to one thing, but you know, data shows that seven career, the average career someone has in the West is seven. Or in the U.S. Um, so for me, like when I when I decided to go from being a designer to being an agency owner, that was what I thought it was the next step, right? Like my assumption and my naiveness. And once I grew the agency, I'm like, you know, my assumption is that you know there's this success or something that you get to. And when I realized that it's you have to do it again and again and again. And if I had to choose to do it again, what would I do differently, right? So. Mm -hmm. That's when I started shifting away from the agency model and started teaching online, right? Because mm. I knew education was something that was a big thing, um, and I and I also intuitively felt underneath it all that there was a bigger purpose attached to it that was part of my own narrative and my own ancestry, and that I didn't know what that was yet, but that is I reinvented myself over and over again. How long ago was that? That was six, seven years ago when I was 39, mm. 38. Um, so the, the suspicion at that point was that there was something bigger and it had nothing to do with what kind of company I was going to have. So I allowed myself to go into this state of flux for these last six years that allowed me almost to do continuous reinvention on an ongoing basis, both in the spiritual realm, like yoga and meditation and going to India and exploring plant medicine. Like I went full on into that experiment of my life. You welcomed it. 
I welcomed it. I pursued it vigorously. I invested in it um, financially. You know, I really took it. And then at the same time, I was starting my own company and, you know, teaching online and it was becoming successful. And, you know, it became the school that I started became the future <laughs> and all very like awesomely named because the empowerment of our own community of designers uh, to to be empowered in the realm of their businesses uh, was somehow for me uh, awesome in that I was helping people like myself. And then as I did it, I began to notice a pattern or a trend that a lot of the people that were transitioning had an additional desire or need and it was meaning transitioning from maybe working as a freelancer and wanting to grow an agency. They all shared the same kind of value or values that they didn't want to do it the same way that their parents did it mm. or that the old system did it. Mm. So as I started to track that in the intentions of, you know, the people around me, I realized that that was my own mm. intention also, mm. that I wanted meaning and purpose for my own career and for my own life, and that my ancestry, you know, of who I was and born to be was part of it. I'm Latin, from Latin America. I'm the son of a pastor. I grew up in a very evangelical and religious kind of family. So spirituality and God had always been a big part of my life. Mm. And as I explored, like I said, and invested in this other realm of looking at spirituality from both the objective and the subjective, you know, from what does science say, mm. you know, like re reading Robert Lanza's book um, on, con on uh, biocentricity is the title of the book, where he talks about, as a neurobiologist, the research he conducted was in where does phenomena happen, you know, who, to whose reality, to who is reality happening? Mm. And in his research over and over again, you know, the conclusion at the end was that all reality is subjective to the consciousness experiencing it. Mm. So, you know, the tree or the whole tree, there's a whole chapter on the, the tree falls in the forest, which I love the fact that there was a whole chapter about that. Um, and he goes through the scenario, he really breaks it down to the science, to the like molecular science of the phenomenon, you know, like you know, sound is when the impact of the tree falling, it creates a vibration and some things can sense that some things can't. Um, so a snail in the forest experiencing that is experiencing a totally different event than you would be if you were there. Mm. Um, right. Cause that the scale, their sensor, sensory system, everything is different. Yeah. So, so he concludes the book with basically like, at the end, the only explanation to anything beyond this is, you know, spirituality. It's a spiritual. The same conclusion that Einstein and the same conclusion that Tesla, the same conclusion that most scientists who, 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 who know and understand the code, they all know that at the end, the, the rest is, you can only explain it in one way. Mm. And it's no explanation, ultimately. It's that you have to feel it. Mm. Anyway, I don't know what the heck that thread was there, but... Uh, reinvention. Reinvention, yeah. The reinvention is a continual process of redesigning and defining, prototyping and saying out loud your reality over and over again. Mm. So for me, to end that reinvention kind of thing, I'm again in a cycle of reinvention, but now in a very conscious state. Mm. Not just because of <laughs> the, the happy, is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm in a very conscious and present state of knowing that it's not about creating my next big thing. Mm. It's really about who am I <laughs> mm. in that, mm. you know, my own healing, my own letting go, my own completion, my own courage, mm. you know. You become, you become aware and clear that you create everything around you. A lot of people think that the external is what does it, that, you know, that person that's going to give me that deal or, you know, that whatever work that I need to do. All those things are part of it, but ultimately our primary responsibility is to heal ourselves and develop ourselves, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Um, let me share my personal experience. Um, when I first started this whole journey, I wanted to uh, go on this success uh, path, right? becoming an engineer and becoming a PhD and then becoming a director for the University of California system and then becoming an entrepreneur. And then there's some ideas that I have about arrival. When I, when I get there, then, then I've arrived, then life is better, then I'll be all set then. And the more work that I do for myself, the more I realize the success really is the progress, the growth that I allow myself to be in the journey mm -hmm. there is no arrival because we all know i mean for me the arrival is the time that i die and no longer i cease to exist and that that ultimately is the final arrival and it's beautiful and that we're going to go back to source and we're going to experience absolute truth again the alpha and the omega then so in the meantime what I ought to focus on is the effort that I put in, is the who I know myself to be, is what I discover about myself in the process. So then knowing that, then I just stop giving a fuck. Yeah. About, yeah. you know, well, what, 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 what the, other people think and what, yeah, yeah. arriving, what it's going to look like. Right. Success. And, and it's been great. It's been a great journey. Yeah, I, I I watched you from afar, and you know I gotta say, uh, I, kudos on taking it. <laughs> so let me ask you this, because for some people who are listening to this, how did you find the courage to not stick to the, the path to the template, least uh, least resistant path? You know, I'm gonna be really honest in that I've never really shared this with anybody. Um, and it has both psychological and spiritual connotations to it. Uh, my therapist in New York kind of told me that, you know, for people that lose a parent early on, um, they don't believe that they themselves are going to last that long. So I lost my mom when I was 33. Mm -hmm. and when she was 33, <laughs> mm -hmm. I was uh, 12. And... Um, so in my little brain, you know, I was in this mad dash for cash because I knew that I wouldn't live longer than 33. Mm. You know what I mean? Or the longer than when I hit my, when I was towards the end of my 30s, I was like, wait a minute, shit, I'm still here. Right. Uh, what's going on? So that mortality and that like trauma based, obviously, uh, programming that I had of like, this is it, motherfuckers. <laughs> we got to do something about something, right? So I always lived in this like, 
whatever's next and whatever seems big. So I ended up in the dot-com boom in New York City, and I got to see the birth of like an era from the inside. Like I, I, I like if people knew the things that I've seen, whew, the books we could write. Mm. Uh, and then when I started my own agency, like early in the 2000s, it was, you know, again, in the precursor of the social era, like of social media, which started to kind of pop in 2004 or another, 2005, you know, 2007, when Facebook finally went, you know, full on for everyone. So there was this, um, sense of the impetus of, um, of, uh, of history and the prescience of what was coming. And part of it was reading, like I love to read. So I, I would read books like, you know, A Whole New Mind, My Right Brainers Will in the Future. And, you know, Daniel Pink talks about the, fa- the role the designers are going to play in the future. And I'm like, oh my God, who's going to prepare these people? Mm. And um, so I said, let me start a company that prepares those people. Mm. So all I, and, and he wrote it in his book. When he signed it for me, he's, I told him that I had started my previous business from his previous book, Free Agent Nation. Mm. The group, remember, was originally a collective, right? Mm. I got that idea from his book, mm. which said everybody was going to be freelance. I go, well, if you're all freelance, why don't we all work together on projects? And I used that as the model for the group to start it. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm extracting from some writer, Daniel Pink, mm. an insight that he has mm. on what the future is going to be like. And I start prototyping my ideas with those insights, and that produces innovation. Mm. And the group really grew and thrived from that Mm. so i'm paying attention to you know what's happening in culture and i'm fusing that with my ideas as i progress forward right very actively Mm. but your point of courage and my story of you know my mother's passing and like this like sense of impending doom mm. <laughs> also i grew up in a seven-day adventist family so the second coming is always coming mm. <laughs> like you jesus is coming back tomorrow mm. you don't know so there's this urgency to do something great with mm. your life mm. to do the work to grow that there's no choice almost mm. so is that an issue that i live in a in a world of courage i've lived in a world of having no choice mm. i had to do this i had to jump to the next thing I had to create something crazy. I had to take risks, you know, and I'll I'll tell you, it's not easy being always in that edge, Mm. being always that guy, you know, Mm. who does these things. It takes, it's not even the courage, man, because the courage I have in spades, what I've had to develop over the last six years is the fortitude, (laughs) the fucking stomach, you know, the abs, the six pack, spiritually speaking, the third chakra, you know, the solar plexus. Because if you're going to live like I live mm. in this continual state of, you know, more, of bigger, of whatever it is that you want to create and not, you know, taking no for an answer from the universe of doing it, mm. you're going to have to build a fortitude. Mm. And part of it is not fortitude, like, because it's not that you're going to withstand it and have somebody there sucker punch you in the abs. Mm. It's actually the discernment and the wisdom Mm. to simply know, you know, how much effort to put in. How do you do that? Um, Is there a mental model that you use? Yeah, is there a mental model for it? How do you strike? So actually, it's a really key point here because a lot of people listening to this probably are of similar mindset. We're infinite spiritual beings living human life. I want to create, manifest, yeah. you know, the, 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 the best version of myself to create, to make a difference, 
to create companies, whatever it may be. And, and the pitfall of that is existential stress. I'm not doing enough. Nothing's ever good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, let me continue to live in the future. And then the cost of that when is. When I land that round of financing. Yeah, regret of the past. Anxiety of the future. Yeah. All that stuff. So, so. Oh, I see a lot of people living in that. Yeah. So how do you, you know, have that and mm-hmm. not to be so consumed by. By it. I have not arrived yet. I'm never ever gonna be good enough. Yeah. Or comparing to Elon Musk. Yeah. Bezos, <laughs> yeah. Guys. You're no Steve Jobs. You know, the best place that I draw some knowledge, some wisdom for that is from Osho. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read Osho, or, you know, it's not like I'm an Osho expert. I read one or two books and I went to Osho for a while and I loved listening to his videos. Um, oh, at Osho, you listen to him every day. Like for the 16 days that I was there, every night you dress in white and you watch Osho, Osho speak. But one of the things he talks about is that you're ordinary. So like we in the West get fed this thing that you're extraordinary. Here's an A grade. Here's, you know, a prize. Congratulations. Your employee of the month. Like we're always like seeking out to highlight the ordinary, the extraordinary, right? But the work really just happens in the everyday, right? Nobody's giving awards for like, you know, you know, doing your bed and like washing your teeth, right? So brushing your teeth. So, so the, the reason that he talks about that is that even as you build your practice as a teacher and as a, you know, quote unquote guru of some sort, right? Um, that you have to remember that you're ordinary. So the same thing happens for like, the small, the young startup entrepreneur, and she's like really ambitious and knows that she's infinite and that she can do anything if she wants to manifest it. But then at the other end, that drive kind of like consumes you, right? And you don't shut down or you don't realize that you're human, you're ordinary, you're in a mortal body. Get some rest, get some exercise, you know, eat well, have good relationships, don't forget about your family. All the things that I didn't do when mm. I was building my company. Mm. All I did was build my company. I was focused on, I got up in the morning, I walked, you know, to my office, I came home at seven o'clock, I ate at work, I did everything at work, I, my relationships I didn't invest in, I didn't invest in my family. And that ultimately creates this horrible existential angst mm. that at 39 I had to like, it's, there's songs written about it, you know, like, uh, where have the days gone by, you know? Mm. Um, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful. Millennials are going through that a lot younger now mm-hmm. because they're going in so hard and so hot and realizing, oh my God, this is so disappointing when they go into the workplace and then they go do yoga teacher's training and mm-hmm. like relax for a bit. And then they realize, oh shit, you know, I'm not supposed to be in that old system. And now what? Mm-hmm. So that's where we're all kind of stuck now that we know. Do you feel like it's a journey to go through that? Can you like learn the wisdom? from the people who hack it can you hack it right exactly or there is a secret to hacking it okay go ahead i've been hacking it the whole time all right tell us so the the number one issue in what people kind of like have to hack it or to get all these systems in order to try something out is that it the systems help quell their lack of belief (laughs) because it breaks things down into steps it it, it gives the, well, hey, we're all trying this out as an experiment, right? The, the guru or the person teaching you the system provides the fundamental faith in it, right? Oh, if it worked for him, it'll work for me. Here's my testimonials, right? And then people are willing to try the system. 
But what's interesting is that it's not actually, people think that it's um, what it is, right? Whatever the tools are that work. What works is actually the system mm. of how to teach those tools because all the tools are universal. Mm-hmm. There's tons of different ways of doing the things that you want to do, right? Mm. Different paths. Different paths, different flavors. Mm. So if you learn that the system is really what matters, that it's less about what it is, because we have, oh, don't go to Osho and do this India thing because that's really woo and spiritual. Go to Landmark and do it in a room with, you know, no curtains. and You know what I mean? Like, it's the same work. It's just in a different cultural context, right? Mm-hmm. So I was agnostic to all of it. So I've experimented and tried all the different systems, how masterminds work, how, you know, webinars work, how YouTube videos work, how this works. And I just get to sense all the mechanics of all of it. Mm-hmm. And then whatever ones I want to maintain and continue kind of naturally occur. Yeah, I pick and choose. I pick and choose. I've never really like gone. I'm not the guy who went and researched all the online platforms and like did all this stuff. I just go, I need an online platform. Which one do I know? This one. Okay, move forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm moving at that speed in my choices and my decisions. Okay, sometimes that's not good because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's stuff that you actually need to slow down for mm-hmm. and that you need to pay attention to. Some of the basic fundamental stuff like financial systems and controls, et cetera. You should be present to those for the most part as much as you can mm-hmm. earlier than later. But the reason I'm saying all this in general is, is going back to, is there a way to hack it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm one that says I'm a serial experimentalist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to experiment with a few and see which ones kind of I like and then continue experimenting further with those. And then once you know that it's really the system itself, like the steps that you have to take, you know, 21 days it takes to build the habits. You have to repeat something over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, I wanted to learn better yoga, you know, for myself, like so that I didn't have to depend on a teacher when I went. So I went and did yoga teacher training. Now I'm like, oh, I get it, how the system works Mm -hmm. and why it works. Mm -hmm. So in my openness and in my default state of belief and faith that comes from my very Christian, you know, fundamentalist upbringing, Mm. I already had one of the fundamental keys to the system. Which is what? Which you have to believe. Mm. (laughs) That the faith, Mm. the bigger, you know, like, you know, because if you believe, (laughs) it says it in the Bible, if you believe, then it is. Mm. And and, um, every philosophy says it. Mm. every philosophy says believe in yourself or believe in the system well you also know and get to know and understand that you're not separate from the system Mm. (laughs) self is just this thing that we created Mm. you know to be able to objectively drive our (laughs) our meat soup that we're driving around from a consciousness standpoint Mm. you know what i mean yeah it's basically we were issued a unit (laughs) anime is the best metaphor for this you know like the whole exoskeleton thing Mm. that they put the pilot into right Mm. so we're the pilot consciousness right we're put into this exoskeleton and you're given a designation male and and a number or whatever a a name you know ck and put it into a family that's gonna like you know craft the path of that exoskeleton Mm. um but it's just an exoskeleton Mm. so that that self that we think is like it's just that big robot it's the gundam it's the you know, Voltron, well, Voltron's a little different conceptually, but right. um, <laughs> let's sit here and explain the difference between mecha genres in anime. Uh, 
and, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm really being very, for me, the question and the intention for this whole podcast that we said at the beginning was, who am I? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm getting to this point <laughs> that as I keep on asking that question, um, you know, it just almost strips it all the way down to, to, to the, to love, to like the old, all you have to be is love. Right. And I know that sounds like such an accelerated pace from what's, how do you make it work? How do you hack it to believe, just be to just be love. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's for the activation of ideas and reality. Like imagine if you're 3D printing, right? Mm-hmm. The 3D printing mechanic is that you have a, a resin that until it's activated by a laser, it doesn't solidify, right? Mm-hmm. So then basically you, they, the printer itself digitally puts a mental image of it mm-hmm. and shoots the laser and it only turns on in the distance of that mental image but the object isn't actually in front of it the object is in the computer file Mm. in cad data managing the laser to where to shoot Mm. and then the 3d object appears right Mm. so if you think of emotion as that laser Mm. our ideas are just resin they're Mm. just words and Mm -hmm. thoughts and like this would be cool Mm. um until the laser of emotion that you believe in it, that's another, your designer believes in it, that your programmer believes in it, you know, that your investor believes in, until you have that laser activated, which is your, your heart. A lot of people fake it, but most people really invest in people that really believe it, that are passionate, right, about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have that laser activated, which is the heart, um, which is knowing how to love yourself, which is knowing how to love others, which is knowing how to listen, it's being a mature adult. You know what I mean? It, it, people think of it and try to give it all these spiritual labels and all these things and enlightenment or whatever. No, motherfucker. It's just being a mature, home, complete, integrated human being. Mm. Like little old Asian people that are super wise and like to smile at you and, and laugh like Yoda. They're just mature. Mm. <laughs> we, we make up all these stories. And, like they've been around a lot. They know nothing matters. They know that they're going to die soon. You know, they're just like, oh, okay. Right, so, but you were speaking about a hacking, right? Uh, uh, in a process. So, what's the hack? To so, so the three steps are really, really simple. So, you have to define it. Mm. You have to define it. What's it? it? Whatever it is that you want in your life. You I know, see the vision. Uh, the vision. Yes, mm. exactly. They, people call it a vision. If you don't have a vision for what it is, then I can't even talk to you about it. Mm. Like you don't know what you want to do. Okay, great. Right. Good luck. How do you go from point A to point B? You have to do it. B is. Yeah, you have to do it. And people are afraid of it because they think people are going to judge them. They're going to. Oh, you're you're so what? It, that, you can't do that. Mm. <laughs> you're a freaking you know whatever bartender. Mm. Um, and then you have to mock it up. And mocking it up isn't like you're going to sit there and make models, you know, with like a designer. Okay, if you're a designer like me, I sketch stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I visualize it in, 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 in a form that I can enjoy and mm-hmm. show to others. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of projects like that. Like even my Burning Man camp. I just mocked it up in vision form and worked with some architects that we had there and came up with some really beautiful slides. And people were like... Oh, this is cool. Let's do that. Mm. It didn't really exist until it had existed, right? Mm. So you have to mock it up. Mm. You know, cities are built with architecture plans, right? Um, 
all these things are uh, important and we don't design our own reality because we don't have those tools mm. like you, you might not have been taught how to sketch something out mm. in conceptual form mm. uh, and then the the final thing is you have to share it you have to say it to other people you have to say here's my plan here's what I'm trying to do what do you think mm. and people will tell you or yeah oh or they help you in the open energy mm. portals forward so so if everyone behaved that way like if we were all entrepreneurs and like we all had to pitch each other our 10 slides as to what we wanted to do in our life things would be amazing mm. like i wish i could bring that wow i'm saying that out loud that level of like tool simplicity to the process of business you know mm. of investor and business uh creation in the mm. entrepreneurial space to everyday people mm. i've done it I've, i've done you know workshops that bring the tools of user experience and like business planning to kids mm. they love it mm. you know because they're like oh my god this is what i'm going to be mm. great mm. kids get excited about a plan about what they can become so step one have a vision step two mock it up mvp it uh minimum viable product designing business plan whatever yeah. you call it 10 whatever slides. you call it yeah 10 slides so and then step three is to share it with others share it with others so then if you look at that in 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 terms of like how to learn other things, you know, or how to do other things. So if you want to learn, you know, for me, I do it in the in the form of um media consumption. So, you know, if I'm interested in how organizational systems and the dynamics of behavior and all these things, all my Netflix shows and all my YouTube shows and all the books that I start to buy kind of start to correlate around those topics. Um, and I become like really interested in, in the topics mm. and what I'm doing is that I'm taking snapshots and writing like notes in my notebook of just the nuggets that are affecting my own narrative. So people think that they have to learn like all these things, you know, how to scale my business, the lean startup, agile principles, all these things before they start. I, I don't ever do that. I jump and, you know, the Amazon delivers the books, you know. Right. Focus on the next step rather yeah, than the 10 like steps out. When I had the group and I had to deal with scaling, you know, staff, I downloaded an audible book on HR and walked every night like for an hour around, you know, downtown and listened to it and the next morning I'm like, I know HR. It's like the download in the matrix. <laughs> and I immediately knew that I needed to take some actions based on the book. just from the insights that I got. Mm. People are like, "Oh, am I going to remember the whole book?" No, I don't give a fuck if I remember one word in the book mm. as long as I remember the sentence that gave me the answer to what I needed. Mm. So you're just basically mining for gold in there. Mm. And then you hope that the book you you know, read the reviews, make sure ask a friend. That's the number one thing. Ask a friend for a book recommendation, social mm. media. Mm. Hey, I'm trying to figure out how to do budgeting, you know. Psh, boom. Here's a few books people recommend. Mm. Well then how do you sit through the the noise versus the signal because as you said uh if you say you want to scale your organization yeah so this is this is a big problem that I see kids having is that they 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 love podcasts they love consuming and then consuming becomes the it the thing mm-hmm. so like I don't listen to any podcast mm-hmm. I don't listen to uh, other than myself I listen to my Facebook lives sometimes again mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what I said mm-hmm. and that's good this is integrating it and I'm like damn that was good mm-hmm. <laughs> uh right now I'm listening to one podcast Russell Brand because I love how he what he's bringing into the mix mm-hmm. uh, and I like him um he resonates with you he resonates a lot with me yeah like mm-hmm. I, I love I love him um but I, and I, the books that I have around me are just the books that I'm interested in. I don't 
my only bad habit is that I go on CNN just to see if the world if the world has ended yet. The point about it is that I I'm kind of like on a Tim Ferriss style media diet most of the time, other than checking in on CNN to see some news sometimes. I try not to, you know, research or like be a unless I'm specifically looking for something. So Google is my my best friend, right? Or YouTube. I don't really get caught up in the latest, greatest shit. You recommend that for others? It's up to you. <laughs> I saw Gary Vaynerchuk a little bit when he started. I read his books. Moving on. Um, mm. Unless somebody really recommends it and like tells me you should totally watch this, I'll say that this will resonate. I, I won't do it. Mm. I, I, it's just... It's easy to get distracted. Like I'm super ADD and distractible, so oh, I, I don't want to make it even worse. Mm. Look at where I live. I mean, I already have books, and so what I distract myself most with is writing down my own thoughts. Mm. And it starts looking like you live like a madman. But mm. what's better to be distracted by than your plans mm. and the things that you're creating? So I'm present to them every day, and when I see them, mm, it gets me back to thinking. So it's like keeping me in. You know the realm and the space of what I want to create. It's the highest thing. Like it's even posted at a ritual level, in a way, on my wall, where from the top down. Mm. Is there a process that you uh, pick and choose to keep what's? Because we all have, let's say, thousands of thoughts every day. How do you prioritization? One, two, three. That is, and notice that things have numbers on it, like a two, a two. Uh, so prioritization and also from user experience or from mapping things out, the things at the top are the most important. And then as it goes down, it's least important. Mm. Also writing things really big, like people have the tendency to write things like in a notebook mm -hmm. or really small or on a sticky with a pen. No, I write it with a Sharpie on an index card because mm. it's bigger than a sticky and I can read the Sharpie from far away. Mm. Because what you do when you have a strategic room, like a war room, if you ever run an agency, this is all agency tools, mm. is that you got to be able to walk in and be briefed on a project like this. You got to be able to see the strategy. You got to be able to see the comps. You got to be able to see the progress from left to right. Mm. And your team knows how to prepare that for you because mm. you're the director. So you walk in and you're looking at all of it and then you're like, okay, I get it. I'm caught up. Yeah. So, and then you might be doing a million projects. So you need to be able to catch up on that project immediately. That's why they call it the brief. So in business communications or in, in the form of um, people don't live in that realm because they're used to offices and terminals and computers. Mm -hmm. So I believe in this kind of counter force always to whatever it is that's taking your attention. And that's why you see all my shit be very colorful, really big and, and, and in my home you know not mm. just at work mm. so i read the best new york times article ever it was so cute it was basically a dad who was an engineer programmer or software programmer who did scrum with his family mm. <laughs> you know on some days they had a planning meeting and they and they showed their scrum board on, I their, love that. on their refrigerator it was really cute and and then they they ended the sprint on saturday you know on saturday and it was just like a, a lovely lovely story yeah i love that that's beautiful. So what I gather from everything you share so far is 
whatever system that you use, whether it be Kalanil cards, Post-its, Sharpies, Sharpies, Sharpies um, Scrum, ultimately, uh, yeah. Agile, uh, uh, this guy that wrote that book, um, Getting Things Done. Yeah, Getting, David Allen. Yeah, that book is amazing. Read that. Mm. Actually, that book is referenced in Lean and it's also referenced in Agile. Mm. So all the... Note it, everybody's just mixing everything up. So, like, my, my, my philosophy, I'm an anarchist, not an anarchist, an intellectual anarchist, yes. Mm-hmm. Take, learn as many of the things that you want to learn, tools-wise. And by learning, I mean, like, read the damn book. A lot of people think that they're going to watch a YouTube video and, like, oh, I'm, I know how to do Agile. No, you know, read Scrum, read the book. What, what inspired it? What are the principles of it? Because if you understand the deeper, essence of getting things done of GOT, you can then begin building those into your other things, right? You can only mix arts and crafts <laughs> uh, when you actually practice them. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So people think that, oh, this thing, they tried it for a day or two, it didn't work, and then they stop. Right, let's talk about that. How long do you practice before you stop? Because here, here's the thing. It's a good question. Here, here, here's a counter uh, question about that is, you try on this new system, you're still in the ethers, you're still bringing your ideas to reality, there isn't a positive feedback loop yet, yeah. Yeah. right? So then how long do you stay in that, the action before you say, all right, this isn't working, isn't getting me the results I'm looking for, then you stop. So that's the other part of the system that, that, you know, the first part, you know, defining the vision, mocking it up and saying it is one part, but then the other part comes to accountability and to time. So that system you have to put into a, into a circle, right? So I'm doing right now a, a circle, a core circle, and it's just six people. And we're all de- developing and designing our own businesses and our own things together. And it's three months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the feedback loop of the creation and the planning um, is happening in the context of a circle of people. When people start executing the things that they need to be accountable for, like for example, writing a medium post or, you know, um, finishing a capabilities deck with case studies that they didn't have before. Um, uh, the different components were holding them accountable to those. Once those things are done and then they're executed, they're put out, like you use your capabilities deck to communicate with a potential client, uh, and then you begin seeing how the energy shifts there, or you create a video to start engaging your audience about a particular topic. When you're doing it with a group, with a circle, that first step, the courage to jump and do those things and have other people review it, the feedback that you're looking for, um, is really what matters. And as an entrepreneur, you do that with your advisors and you do that with customer primary user research. Like you engage a customer. And I, you saw me doing that building the school because you were one of them. You came to the first group school ever in my office. Um, Evil businessman. Right. You came to that, right? Mm. Those were all feedback loops. I mean, I create very physical feedback loops because mm. I have the courage to make those jumps. Who had, I had no business doing evil business, man, dude. Mm. The, the fact that it was so good and it looked so good, it was all just pure bravado. Mm. Like, you know, like the front row and all the people that were like entrepreneurial already as creatives, because the, the goal of evil businessman was the same thing as the school, which is to mm. make creatives more entrepreneurial, mm. help them succeed in business. Mm. Um, and have we accomplished that? Yeah. Mm. That prototype for evil businessman. 10 years ago, nine years ago. So when you ask how long does it take to make something work, 
motherfucker, I work on 10-year, 15-year arcs. Mm-hmm. I'm setting up the thing back then for now. Right. So how did you know that, that that was the right path, that you wanted to take that on? So, so ask this question very specifically because it's in the doing that you can refine your vision, mm-hmm. right? You can't refine your vision arbitrarily in a vacuum in, no. in some desk in your notebook. You do it and then you get some feedback and you, uh, in, internally, you're like, oh, this, is, it, this feels good. And externally, you also get some feedback as well, right? So how did you had that level of clarity yeah that's that's so that's where the whole conversation about spirituality comes in because you know the the path that you're carving is not yours you know so the clarity you're looking for is for your ego is for the self it's for you is this right is this wrong so when you ask the question uh, instead, is this my path or is this not my path? Um, that's a different question. And then you're asked, well, how do you know your path? You look back. You look back. Your path is right. Your path is right in front of you if you turn around, because it's a kind of a reversal of you know your your family history or of all the things you chose before. So I chose to be a designer, you know, instead of being a pastor, which is what my family wanted me to be. Um, I chose to live in technology, you know, during the dot-com boom and afterwards live in the software realm. So pastor, designer, technologist. Then I chose to live in the world of teaching, you know, because Linda Wyman from Linda.com was my, my mentor, my hero. Uh, and I did the school. So, so my mom was a teacher. My grandmother made her, her well, her being got all my, uh, uh, aunts and uncles educated by opening a school mm. and I, and I actually did some work. I, I asked them for their life story before they all passed mm. many years ago, like five years ago when I started six years ago, when I started doing my journey, one of the first things I did was go back home mm. and spend time with my family mm. and listen to their stories. And I recorded them and I'm like, Oh my God, my grandmother, mm. her heritage is she was a master teacher mm. and a community builder and a church builder. And I'm like, I'm my grandmother. Mm. So when you then look at your path and at your choices, mm. are they mine or are they the choices that my grandparents made? It's what resonates with you is what resonated. You were, you're their child. Mm. They brought you up. Their values are in you. Mm. You know, their dreams are in you. And, you know, as Asians and Latinos, we struggle with this issue because parents are so, and Indian people too. I mean, well, that's Asian of where their parents want them to be something specific and it's a projection of who they want it to be. Mm. But you end up, no matter which way you slice it, being that mm. and always having that gap. Mm. You know, it's like, am I being what my parents wanted me to be or am I pursuing who I want to be? And then if you take a third way and you say, what is my path, you know, based on all of those things and you look at it neutrally without judging your parents or judging your past, um, you'll get answers there. Mm. The more judgment and the more issues, you know, if you can't close the loops with your, with your parents, mm. you know, of anger or, you know, resentment. If you can't close the loop with your past, the healing is the main vehicle for understanding your own path. Because mm. all those things that pain you and the things that stop you, the things that take away the courage, our fear and letting go of that is one of the hardest parts because you have to complete with all those people. 
Mm. And one of those people you have to complete with is yourself. Mm. Forgiving yourself for all your mistakes, forgiving yourself for, you know, whatever it is, the divorce, the, you know, different career than what your parents wanted, you know, being a weirdo, you know, that, that anger and that resentment with whoever, with God or with your parents or with your friends or with your past or with yourself stops you from jumping. Yeah. A lot of people listening to this are interested in high performance. And one of the mental models that I teach them is removing your interference. Mm-hmm. Any kind of judgment, trauma, resentment, anger, anything towards others or towards yourself ultimately interferes mm-hmm. with your present moment right here and now. And yeah. so that's what I want to underline in everything that you said. Mm-hmm. Total agreeance there yeah. for sure. And also from what you just shared so far, you can actually look at your history for a very strong signal, whether Mm -hmm. it be what you've done yourself, professionally Mm -hmm. and personally, um, and or intergenerational, what your parents did, what your grandparents did, etc. You can actually use them as a very strong signal to think about your own path. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, and I call this tethering and, and anchoring, um, like in rock climbing. One of the things that I really recommend, because some of the exercises in, in personal development and coaching and training that you do for this is that you have people tell their story, mm-hmm. right? So you're, by every decade, like your 20s, your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, just tell your story mm-hmm. and how you felt in those times. Um, and if you look at biographies or if you look at why people of note, you know, write their own stories is because in the stories there's, you know, lessons and signals, right? Mm. But doing your own and then asking your dad and asking your mom and asking your grandma, like I started doing, mm. begins to give you what I call um, uh, uh, tribal user stories or narratives. Because if you look at customer experience, right, and mm. developing software, we create sets of user stories mm. and subsets of customer types mm. so in how we work already we're doing that so if you do that for yourself backwards mm. for your life basically primary user stories mm. of the users in the system your family mm. you'll get so many interesting insights mm. about who you are it's like oh my uncle's just like me he's like this like that and i'm like that's where I get that from. And no, it's not whether you get that from, you just recognize it in yourself by seeing it in others. Mm. And the fact that they're your family gives you this like, oh, okay, Mm. cool. Yeah, bring back to another spiritual principle or saying that people say a lot is everyone is either your mirror or projection. Yeah. So very similar to that. Very similar. Hey, I resonate with what my uncle said. It's not that you inherited it from your uncle, rather it's just some internal resonance that you have. From your, yeah, exactly. Okay, so let me ask you, change direction a little bit. Because if you always are looking backwards, rear view mirror, so to speak, then then you're only kind of progressing very linearly, right? Yeah. Um, How do you then innovate? Because you can't say, hey, Elon Musk never had anyone to say, let's go to Mars. Let's, let's be an interplanetary human species, right? So, that- so this is where the tethering and the anchoring comes in. Mm-hmm. Because backwards can only be linear because, you know, it's, it's not linear. It's actually trees branching, right? Okay. But, but all the narratives are uh, already happened. Mm-hmm. So they already have trajectories. Forward, there's no trajectory. Right. So innovation happens in a quantum state of possibility. Right. Right. So all possibilities, right? Your shirt. 
um, you're wearing a really cool mandala that that that, that has a lot of points on it, right?、Mm. So if you look at reality as a grid of different dots, like almost pixels,、um, the ability to kind of carve, like my previous laser metaphor with uh, with um, 3D printing. With 3D printing comes from two things. One, having the image of what it is you want to create, like for Elon Musk is like whatever you know, planetary exploration, Mars or whatever. These big visions, right?、Mm. Uh, and then the way forward is using basically the tactics of how he moves forward. He's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's using software mechanics, you know, portfolio theory. Um, and agile tools, and you know, you 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 research and you find out more how they work internally. There's a lot of chaos, but inside that chaos, the the fundamental tools that are empowering the innovation are not necessarily the the ones that are、uh, predictive and like you know you know planning, right? Like it's basically presence and in in line like ability to to to、uh, to refactor. Uh, you lost me, actually. So let me bring in one one thing real quick.、Um, I think it was the、uh, once you said the big vision, you can put a bunch of people at it, and that it won't be the plan. It'll be how they act in the process, and the, it can they recover and do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Right, the iterative process. You you were addressing the how. What I'm what I'm addressing is the what. Right.、Oh, so, right. So, so meaning. When you ask,、uh, so Henry Ford famously famously said, if you ask what people want, they would say, "I want faster horses rather、right. than a new vehicle." So that's a jump from horses to cars. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm re-、uh, addressing is,、yeah. if you just look backwards, you're gonna want faster yeah. horse, yeah, horse、right. rather faster than horses, rather than、yeah. innovate and、right. do a quantum leap jump、mm. to the next level, whatever is next for you. Yeah. So what I'm referring to、oh, is、okay. that, like,、uh-huh. how do you define? All right. So now I kind of look at all my past and ask this question because some people who know me well and say, "Hey, CK, why are you always asking questions about the past?"、Uh-huh. Start living the present and then invent the future, which I agree 100. But I think what they、uh, misinterpreted my questioning is not because I want to dwell in the past. Right, it's actually addressing everything you said, so it gives me clues of how I'm, my thought patterns, etc. And then, so then, such that I can innovate newly from、mm. nothing, giving all the information that I have.、Mm. So, going back to the original question that I wanted to ask you is、mm. then, now that you know the historic trend line、mm-hmm. from yourself, from your parents, grandparents, etc., then how do you Identify what's the future, the vision, the next step, the vision for you. For for me personally,、yeah. I, I I do it based on customer profiles.、Okay. Like I actually make some up as a, an assumption that these are the the three people that、um, I would be serving、um, in my idea or in what I want to do,、mm-hmm. and then I put them out and I get people's like, oh yeah, that's me, or like you know, I get a, I make adjustments.、Um, I sometimes I just interview people that are in the category.、Um, so so let me just recap real quick. So what you said is, you create a profile of the people that you want to serve. Yeah. So it's a combination of of me creating a profile of the people I want to serve and meeting their needs. Right.、Mm-hmm. That's one. But the other one is of who I am. Like, what's my essence? Like,、mm-hmm. 
what am I about? Mm-hmm. So because in the intersection between my own needs and who I am, like my business goals and my, my essence elementally mm-hmm. of what I can create, which would be your positioning, like what are you good at, right? Right. They, they, they call this the founder market fit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in knowing that, knowing yourself, know thyself, which mm. is which is a big one, right. um, and uh, and then knowing the needs of the people around you, um, you can you can really in that overlap you'll find what it is that you're supposed to be doing, mm. um, because ultimately your needs are going to be sustainability to get paid, and mm-hmm. uh, their needs uh, as pertain to who you are in your essence. I mean, in my case. My in my customer profiles is the people just like me that were designers, mm. right? That's the primary audience that I kind of built. Mm. Um, so I know their needs super well because mm. I was there. You know, right. I experienced what they experienced, and that's how I created the, the preliminary profiles. But then as they began participating in the process of defining themselves as customers mm. um, or as co-creators, is what I call them. Uh, I get more and more fidelity between exactly what it is that they need and exactly what it is that I need. It's just like a conversation. How can I support you? How can I support you? Mm. And and that that takes that takes doing that intentionally. Mm. Like what I just described is the core process, mm. right? Mm. The the process that I developed and that I make a living from that I saw. Mm. And it's it's just basic strategic planning tools. Mm. And the fundamental is that. If you define who you are and you define who the people around you are and you can find something that provides them value uh, that you can deliver successfully over and over again, then you're in really good shape. Mm. Whatever that is, right? That's the, ju- the innovation happens in the no judgment of the model, right? Because what you want to deliver, the wisdom, the insights, the transformation that you want to deliver that's it that's it it's delivering that so the model will evolve things will change you might not like podcasting you might not like this or like whatever happens happens as long as you're clear that the value is what matters Mm. yeah one you hear this cliche a lot say business solve the the mission of a business is to solve a problem for Mm -hmm. your customers yes and in my younger years, when I first started becoming an entrepreneur, what I would focus on is the solution. Right. But as year goes on, what I realize, what I should really focus on, primary objective is to understand the problems. That's the hardest part. Focus on the problems, then articulate it, then I can see how my solutions, whatever widget that I'm building, can actually fit into the problems. Because if they don't, my ideal customers, if they don't even know what the problems are, and then you just say, here's a widget, they're going to look at you and say, all right, so what am I going to do with this widget? Yeah. yeah. It's customer development. Yeah. That's the fundamentals of it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of... Don't uh, solve problems that don't need solving. Find out what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's and, and, and that, But listen, that requires, you know, people to be courageous and like, you know, put themselves out there and to be a little bit not... So you're living in the unknown and you're living in possibility, right? Mm-hmm. So for you, I mean, as an entrepreneur, that early stage of figuring these things out, it, it, you know, you, you need to be really present to it because what, what resonates um, well with you because you've actually had conversations with your customers, it gets you excited and it gets them excited. It builds the energy mm-hmm. to build the thing. So engaging your customers and engaging your community in the building of your own ideas is really magnificent. Is there any specific um, 
prompts or tools that you could share with the people who are listening to this to really help elucidate, clarify what their core customer problems are? And let me ask, let me say this because if you just walk up to a random person, let's say your ideal customer, and say, "Hey, what's the problem? How can I support you?" <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a little creepy. Yeah, yeah. Well, chances are, I'll, I'll, let's let's play act it right now. I'll actually be just. This is a random meeting. I'm, I'm meeting you as a potential customer. What I do, and I'll just preset it. Sure. I'm creating a customer profile in the format from core of like the first the demographic information, uh, just age, where they're from, what they do for a living. Second, the story, like what, what are you doing? What, what are you up to? Like where, you know, where you're at right now. Um, and in listening to that story, I can get to and jump to uh, what, what do you need right now? Or like what are the sh- things that are uh, challenges for you right now? Which leads me to solutions and I can do it all in one session and I'll play act it with you because I do it all the time when I go to a coffee shop. Okay. What's your name? As myself? Yeah. Or we're, okay. We're talking. I love your shirt, man. That's an awesome shirt. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Cool, man. So we're waiting in line for coffee right now. So sure. What's your name? I'm CK. CK. Cool, man. I'm Jose. Yeah. Nice to meet you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. You live here in Venice? Uh, no, actually I live in Pacific Valley. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. It's beautiful up there. Fancy. Yeah. Um, what do you do? I'm an entrepreneur. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You're about 38, 36? I'm 41. Dang, dude, you look good for an Asian <laughs> person. Uh, well, that's actually probably you look good. Um, so you're an entrepreneur. So what, what, what are you working on? So I uh, have um, transformational retreats for other entrepreneurs to really help them um, overcome their mental blocks. Oh, man, I love that. That's amazing. That, why, why? Why are you doing that? It gives me a lot of joy seeing people uh, overcome their mental blocks and create something new for themselves, for the business, for their people that they serve. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, I, I built something not too dissimilar, um, but it's it was challenging. There's some interesting challenges in scaling and and waiting long enough for uh, for things to start to take off. And, and it was a little bit, you know, it's interesting. But how, how is it going on your end? You know, any challenges? Sure. Um, well, the challenges to letting. People know about this particular offer and mm-hmm. the the transformational aspect process, of it, aspect yeah. of it yeah. and then potentially what they can receive mm. to grow themselves, to grow their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To, you, to letting more people more people know, know. so yeah. the awareness aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Have you done any like business planning for it or any? I'm planning it every day. I'm looking at it every day. Every day, cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Man, I love what you're doing, man. It's pretty awesome. Uh, are you on Instagram? I am. Cool. Here, let's follow each other on Instagram. I would also tell you more about my story. Sure. If we were really in a coffee shop and not in the middle of a podcast. Um, but I just built a customer profile. Mm. And all the quadrants and I understand. Like so I'm, keep it casual. Yeah. Yeah. So relatable. Relate like it's I can have that conversation. That's a primary user interview, mm. a customer interview. Um, now, if the other per- I'm a nurse and you work Pacific Palisades, you know, hospital and like, oh, cool, what are you working on? I always, it'll always get to, oh, I'm trying to launch this, you know, cannabis brand on the side. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. And I can relate to the entrepreneurial stuff. But um, not everybody's going to be a profile. And to be honest, I'm not, I never, I'm not doing that. Like, you're just being a human. I'm just being a, it's not like, Somebody, Boise pointed it out to me that every, like, he's like, wait a minute, are you creating user profiles of people when you're having conversations? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I think I am. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it's also from a book mm. uh, called 
uh, the coaching revolution. And it was written by, um, by uh, an awesome guy I forgot teaches at USC and, and it has this whole interview process. Mm. Um, and so I, I've learned from different places to piece together. Of course, there's guides on how to do user interviews and I've obviously done user interviews in my software practice. So I already understand the mechanics of sitting there being friendly, making the people feel comfortable, you know, like it's just not making it into weirdness. Right. Um, <laughs> who are you? What are your needs? <laughs> you know, right. explain yourself, customer. Yeah. Show, tell me your deepest, no, darkest, darkest secrets. secrets. I mean, what's keeping you up at, it's night, just, at night? It's just real conversations. It's just being real. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's beautiful. That's great. Um, so change the directions a little bit. So what do you hope to uh, achieve? Or Because you're constantly reinventing yourself. I know that you're also using the platform that you have to teach spiritual principles. Tell us a little bit about Yeah, you outed me a little bit there at the beginning, which was one of my goals eventually. Um, So I'll make it as succinct as possible. In in looking how to help designers grow as entrepreneurs and as their own business owners, um, in looking at how to help startup teams work more effectively and, and have more success, um, and in looking at how leadership teams, you know, plan and, and, and enroll their, their customers or their, their teams into the vision of the company in all those realms, right? Um, I, I learned a lot of tools and mechanics and like, you know, ways of doing it and understand that. And I could definitely go into the business of like organizational consulting and training and coaching. I would be very good at that. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's part of what I am going to do next. But, um, the one thing that stood out was just the teaching of, you know, simple transformational principles, right? Or not, that's that's such a weird, simple transformational principles. Well, do tell, what are those? Um, That it was faster just to kind of like accelerate people's own personal growth Mm. than to have to deal with the team and with the other levels, right? Right, instead of focusing on the tactics. Yeah, focus on the individual people and making them powerful and making them equanimous and making them, you know, able to communicate and lead better mm. um, that would be a faster way mm. and that's ultimately what led me to going to New York and to working at Consensus and that's where I got a lot of these lessons and ultimately the Burning Man camp that that um, that I started with a few people um, it's about that it's about the acknowledgement that the real way of getting the individual people to be more powerful mm. in their work mm. is to have them be more powerful in their, their own selves so for the skeptics listening to this, they may say to this conversation to be a little bit more woo-woo, it's not very practical, you know. Right. What would you say to that? How is, how is this going to impact the performance in life? I mean, look, all I can share is my own story. Sure. I, I don't really have any bite-sized science-proven nuggets that will convince anybody of one way or the other. All I know is that in my game, in my video game that I've been playing for 46 years, I sought to ride that line, the way between, you know, the material and, and, and the spiritual. Mm. And only because I was already comfortable with it, you know, I felt okay in it. 
And once you start correlating them with science, you, you can always make the correlations between um, different practices and the, the benefits of them cognitively. And you can always break them down into three step hacks. You can always do those things. But if you really want to do it faster, you know, you're going to have to like let go of whatever preconceived ideas you have and certainty and like, I'm super smart. I know I'm analytical. I know exactly. No, this doesn't sound right. You're going to have to let go of a lot of that and just experiment mm. and really be open to new ways. That's the, that's what I've done. And I'm, I'm where I am. And, um, if you want a testimonial for it, it's like, it's not easy but you become powerful and you can create your own reality. Mm. It's just takes courage. Mm. Yeah. I, I asked that question partially for my former self, former yeah. self trained as a PhD scientist. Uh, everything is evidence-based. If you don't yeah. show me your evidence and it doesn't exist, it's not real, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Then as I uh, progress in my own journey, what I realized ultimately um, books, Knowledge is great, maybe wrong, and uh, felt experience is yeah. my own reality. Yeah. If I feel it, then it's real for me. Yeah. And, and, and as I grow older, it's more, I take on more of an imperialist um, approach. So mm -hmm. I experiment. Yeah. Then I check in with myself. I like that. Is it real? Is it not real? Okay. Like and that. then science aside, ultimately, we, don't if I have to really just get into the mechanics of how science works, um, we don't still quite understand how quantum mechanics works. Right. We don't understand. There are a lot of questions. We don't. Right. There's, there's so many unanswered questions. We don't understand how electricity works, but we use it every day. Yeah. Right. So ultimately, to me, is what's practical in my life. Does it give me the result that I'm looking for? Yeah. If it does, I'll continue to use it until proven otherwise. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. The empiri in, in, yeah, empirical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call it the iterative life, mm. like where it's iteration after iteration of experiments. And, you know, you're the ultimate scientist, you know, you're the experiment, you know, try it out. Right. If there's an area of your life that doesn't work, if there's a block that you experience, if there's, uh, there are things that, is, that you have negative charges about, if you can't take actions about, you know, your hopes and dreams, yeah. If there's anything that's stopping you, great. And that, to me, that's a boundary condition. Yeah. And, and, and then what kind of experiments can you overtake to overcome that boundary? I, one of my fundamentals for my experiments in my life is to look at areas that I'm avoiding <laughs> and going in that direction and taking the next steps and the actions as painful as it is sometimes. And it's it's not the initial part is not necessarily as pleasant as you're hoping, but there's a lot to be said for people really seek to be in hedonistic pleasure all the time. Well, let me sit on my couch and watch Netflix and turn on the AC and have some popcorn. And, you know, we look for everything in our lives to be so comfortable. Right. So then we expect that in everything, right. In life. Right. Um, but sometimes is understanding that part of it is pain. Right. Um, I had a really great conversation with Tony Wong, my friend, about this, where he's like, yeah, it's just learning to know that pain is part of the whole. Mm. And you're like, damn. So, so for me, when I saw things that I was avoiding or like 
oh, I, I, I had that tingly feeling of like nervousness about dealing with it, I would then jump. You would then jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a signal to you that you should yeah, do it. Yeah, that I should do it because you have hesitation and fear and, yeah. and pain. Very counterintuitive because people say, "Well, isn't that something that you should trust?" That means that there's danger. Most things in our lives aren't like you're in front of a cliff and you have to use that mm-hmm. logic because uh, that reflex is built for our reptilian brain for mm-hmm. survival of actual death. Mm-hmm. But having a conversation with your spouse about how you're feeling and avoiding it is not a cliff. It's just emotions, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to die if you have a conversation. It will be painful emotionally, but there's no physical harm. So that's the point. The, mm-hmm. What are the things that you're avoiding and the truths that you're not dealing with? Um, and they come out eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's part of maturity and getting older. It's like being super brutally honest with yourself and your friends doing that with you too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I recently finished a book by David Goggins mm-hmm. uh, named Can Hurt Me. So he came from nothing and um, didn't had an abusive father who beat him every day, uh, raised by a single mom and essentially got himself out of the 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 condition that he was in and really trained himself to be one of the top Navy SEALs and was candidate for, for uh, Ranger School and then now he mm. uh, went on to set several um, ultra marathon or yeah ultra marathon records and then had a world record for the most pull-ups you can do in 24 hours etc so one of the key takeaway that I got from reading that book is embrace the so people say step into the fire step into the crucible Mm -hmm. the pain and the struggle is the fire Mm -hmm. and in that fire is where you can actually burn away your limiting beliefs about yourself your limiting beliefs about the world so that's actually what i got from yeah and one thing i wanted to clarify if we're going to loop it around as a circle i mean when you introduced me uh the you ended with and, and is transitioning to being a spiritual teacher. I want to kind of loop it back. I'm continuing to teach the things that I've been teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens to be that some of the ideas and some of the principles that I'm beginning to include and integrate into what I'm teaching have, you know, parallels inside spiritual practice. But for, I'm, I, I don't have an intention to, um, and that goes with the intention for the podcast. Like, who am I? I think my intention is to continue as a creator, as a creative, right, of, uh, of things, whatever those things might be, but that the method in which you do it comes from a philosophical and from a, you know, we can call it a spiritual kind of sense or aspect to it, and where it intersects with people's purpose and entrepreneurship and creativity is that, like, really sweet spot that you can still now communicate, you know, about the more subjective and the more um, spiritual aspects of practice as an entrepreneur. Look, look, at, look at what I put over there on that index card, spiritual startups. Um, because there are a lot of people that are more conscious that are doing business today. And some people call it conscious capitalism. Some people call it something else, right? There's all these different um, labels that are emerging and you've been part of those communities you know in the past here in los angeles that's continuing but that's continuing under less of a labely uh way and more in the values of the ceos that i'm seeing emerge right you know millennial ceos and you know 
even you know uh, companies that are, are ran are run by older CEOs founders, but that also have you know the conscious aspect of whatever that is that they're doing, and it's really beautiful to see. So there is a space for spirituality in business. There's a space for being able to align your purpose and bring humanity to business. So you can really begin stopping using the S word uh, and really talking to the public and to corporate entities with just simply those ideas. Mm. You know what I mean? Purpose and human a- aspects of work. Mm, mm, mm. Human-centered design. Human, but yeah. hu- that when you add human to it, it's the thing that's missing. It's the spiritual part, right? Because mm-hmm. we've kind of moved away from how tribes used to mm. inscribe or, you know, encode mm. their spiritual practices into their people through rituals and celebrations, etc. Because we live in a, in a, you know, secular kind of society. But uh, anyway, that that's that's the the clarification was that I am continuing I I'm continuing to do what I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, but now merging all those things. Yeah, bring new tools. Yeah, I'm synthesizing them. So so it's that because I want to avoid the label of spiritual teacher mm-hmm. of spiritual teacher or of um, or of um, design teacher. You know, like I choose one. No, it's what people say. Actually, you know, they say, oh, I love your stuff. Because you also bring a spiritual dimension to it. Mm. Great. You mm. see? I didn't have to change, you know, who I am. Mm. I just integrated who I've become. Mm. Yeah, one of the things I started doing is uh, a lot of Facebook Lives these days. And uh, from doing them, what I realized... I love those. ...is that ultimately people who are going to resonate with me are going to resonate with me it really doesn't matter what the topic is i could be telling my childhood stories i could talk about my professional work i could talk about plant medicine i could talk about anything that's that's what i got from mm-hmm, from, much. from from doing it so far yeah yeah pretty much um so looking back in your your journey what kind of um books, seminars, courses, teachers that really help you with the inflection or catalyze your expansion of your consciousness? All of them. Um, I mean, I got something out of everything. I mean, whether it was Osho, you know, in India or Landmark here in the U.S. or um, Harp, what is it, T. Harbeckard, is that mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. Um one of his weekend things or whether it was management training or whether it was agile training or whether it was um, design thinking training plant medicine plant medicine burning man burning man like i made everything in my life part of the experiment i didn't exclude anything and i haven't done everything you know the call for healing is a continual call like there's things that I'm healing right now. So I think that, that the world is your school, but you have to choose to be a student. Like most people are in ego and then like, why should I go to India to look for enlightenment? I'm mean, you're not going to India to look for enlightenment mother effort. You're going to India to learn breathing and like chakra meditation and dynamic meditation and all these cool tools that you can use to hack quote unquote your brain. You know, the body is the ultimate, you know, kind of portal. And to listen to Osho every night and to do karaoke with people from all over the world, 
you know, that that is uh, the the luxury that we don't give ourselves as Americans. Mm. The the luxury to relax and just work on yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? We don't do it. So so my urge and and I always ask people to support the teachers and the people that are like helping them with that journey, like you. You know, you do a plant medicine thing, people show up and like take the journey. Um, you enroll people in your journey not because of like it being a product or an offering. But because, man, you are so excited to share, mm. like, what it's done for you. And, I mean, yeah, I can talk for hours about ayahuasca and, you know, about psilocybin and about all the different aspects of that. But... Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> so that's a good transition. Yeah. How long is this thing? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, talk about that for a minute. Oh, oh there's a timer. Great. All right. A, a short conversation about that. Yeah. Short conversation about that. Uh, what did you get? What? Why did you do it first place? And what did you receive? Um, the first time I did it, I did it in New York City um, or upstate New York. Um, and uh, it, it, I kind of flowed into it. It was almost like this is what's next. I knew I was going to do it. Here. You just knew it. There was an inner yeah. calling for it. Yeah. I see. And, and my first experience was a simple one. It was kind of like a call to loyalty, um, to Gaia, to the plants. You know, it's like, are you with us? Um, and I'm like, oh, mother effer, man. Like, I'm, like, I'm being recruited for some multi-level marketing scam by the planet itself. Um, and I said yes. Mm. And the next one was a bigger vision of, like, um, some of the things... But then it became, the ceremonies after that got really personal. And it became about healing different aspects of my past. Mm. And unlocking, you know, some of those feelings that might have not been there before. And that kind of then accelerates into new work, you know, that you have to do potentially. So you can get stuck in that loop. So I haven't been in it for a while. but Stuck, um, stuck in a loop. What well, kind of loop? because every, progressively, like, you know, I have friends who've done it 35 times or like, you know. They, I'm one of them, yeah. Right. So, so it's this continual loop for looking for any healing or unlocking or like, you're, uh, it I becomes see. a thing that you're looking for a thing. Got it. So for me, uh, just the natural flow of it where it's gotten me to now, I just pause and I'm looking at it as, okay, I'm integrating and spending the time integrating. Yeah. Um, because the last two ceremonies were really, really intense in terms yeah. of um, uh, the work. And it kind of matched the intensity of kind of like the life uh, that I would be in, right? Mm. So what I mean by that is that as you expand mm -hmm. um, or as you grow, let's call it that, mm. um, you're able to then live in a slightly different reality, right? Mm. Things are happening faster, more is in flow, opportunities mm. are changing very quickly and mm. you know, the landscape becomes like, it's live, mm. right? Yeah, you can Where see that you're able to see the matrix. You're, you're able to see the matrix part. And most people's issues are that there's so much energy from all those open loops that it overwhelms you. I see. So in order to be a pirate, as I say, you need to be able to sail the seas with no fear of death. Mm. So you have to develop this. It's not cool, calm, collective not freaking out um, because you're not thinking or mindful of what it is that's happening. You are super aware of what's happening and you know where it is. Is that you stay in the present, you can plan and visualize, you know, this becomes a continual routine. Like I do this almost daily. Mm. So um, 
it's very the best metaphor I can describe is like the whole teaching Kung Fu thing like when you just practice over and over again the moves right and then one day an occasion comes up and your teacher goes and and you're just doing all the moves Mm. right muscle memory muscle memory yeah so so as you grow and as you master the different practices whether they be through physical things like meditate you know yoga Yoga. or exercise uh, mental things like meditation and journaling. Um, once you master the practices of masters, and that's why there's so many people online teaching all these things. Here's my journal technique. Here's my mm-hmm. mastermind. Here's this. Because basically it's what I call a, 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 a omnidirectional master school. Mm-hmm. And that's what's needed right now. And one of the things people usually ask when they take the step you're taking or any, or the step that they're probably avoiding taking by listening to this podcast, <laughs> becoming a master of masters, mm. um, is that they question like, why? Why me? Like, what's this? No, 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 asshole. Has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with you, with C.K. Lin or with Jose Caballero. Right. The it's reason why this is right. such an emerging thing mm. Is because of the system changing. That the only way that we can actually uh, uh, make this boat turn around, like mm-hmm. you know, if you actually listen to the news or if you actually see what's happening in the world, the only way to turn this boat around is that when people realize that they're creators of their own reality, mm-hmm. that they're the ones who are going to make the future. Um, and that message is difficult to tell to somebody who's still in an employee mindset or is still in a, mm. I get my money from the government or is still in the centralized mindset mm. because we remove the dignity from being your own master, mm. you know, through you know, all sovereignty. Our, yeah, yeah, sovereignty. We remove that dignity so hard. Mm. And here's the thing that people don't understand that, you know, American Midwestern values of like, you know, piety and, you know, uh, docility and working in the factory were embedded into our education and into our religion by the industrialists themselves. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford was an amazing proponent of, you know, religion and like of education. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people don't understand that they've been kind of conditioned to be lambs. Mm-hmm. And what you're teaching and what you're exploring and what you're realizing as C.K. Lin is that, holy shit, no, I'm not. I'm actually a creator. I can actually make my own reality and I can be powerful in that. And whatever the incarnation of that is for you, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of flavors, in terms of like, you know, style, that's awesome because it's you. Mm-hmm. And then the other people that are on this podcast listening to it and are like, oh, I've been wanting to do that. And, it's, it, you know, it will be an odd part of that is the, the big the big shift is that it's not about doing it because you want to become an expert or you want to become a guru or you want to become, you know, a master or whatever teacher. It's not doing it because of that. Like that's, you know, because a lot of people ask, how do I become an expert online? Right. It's not the ego. Right. It's the realization that, that your own transformation, your own experimentation on yourself to reach this mastery is Mm. the content. Right. Because if you transform, you can do anything, right? Mm. So if you're working on it and you're sharing it with other people like you are, C.K. Lin, mm. uh, and I am, then we're not trying to, like, you know, build a business and a living from podcasting and selling courses and selling kits or whatever online. We're simply masters broadcasting our journey. Mm. And if others resonate with it, great. Yeah. And if others are willing to give you some money so that you can continue the journey and they can get the gifts 
great. Yeah. Um, it's simply an exchange of value. It's simply an exchange of love. Um, if you let go of the business model and the mechanics of it and like, you have to know them and understand them and know how to put them in place. But you have to know that it's all about sharing yourself and your own transformation genuinely, mm. like really just bearing your soul. Mm. That's the hardest part. You have to be naked in front of people all the time. Yeah, I mean, speaking from my personal experience, the Facebook Live hasn't been easy. There's a lot of internal resistance. I, I see. Like, I don't know what I should say, or you know, if it's if I should、uh, withhold some some part of me because, well, here here's the intention. The intention is to add value to whoever is watching. No, 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 no. The, I mean, okay, that sounds horrible. <laughs> so, like, no, no, stop doing that. <laughs> the the value is in you. Mm. Meaning the value is in you revealing yourself to the people. So, so, and that—that's not meaning a, a, you know, I call it、um, emotional vulnerability porn. You know, like where you're just sharing for the sake of getting、right. the sharing and being seen or perceived as vulnerable. No,、uh, vulnerability is not about revealing your deepest, darkest secret. Vulnerability is about being as present as possible. To what is you know at that point in that moment.、Uh, so when you watch me do my Facebook lives on Sunday,、mm. I'll anchor into the day. Say、mm. 6 p.m. Sunday afternoon. So、mm. even in the narrative, I'm actually dropping it into my day. I hope you're having a good weekend. I just finished watching you know like some episodes of Merlin. You know like suddenly it's in my day now.、Mm. It's actually here in my space. You know and it's in my space right.、Mm. And it's really what's behind me. Right.、Um, And and then I kind of talk about the topic and where I got the topic from. Sometimes it's from this, sometimes it's from that.、Uh, and then I break it down in three index cards on in terms of like the three anchors of the story.、Mm-hmm. Um, that one was from last week. You know, new vision, define, mock it up, say it.、Mm. And I don't write what I'm going to say about those topics, but I think about them. And then behind the one card for each topic, I write. Three bullet points about what is it that I want to say with define.、Mm. So when I flow through it, you know, I'm just flowing through the mechanics of showing the cards, and then behind it, it gives me the three topics. So it looks and feels like I am just in the moment talking about the subject matter, and I am,、mm. but I have anchors、mm. uh, throughout it. It's just been held through the whole sequence, and I can wrap it up and end it. And people are like, "Wow, I, that's exactly what I needed to hear today!、Mm. Boom, boom, boom." Um, and it's and it's really a fundamental, you know, kind of loop that I've learned to create.、Um, make it personal, drop into it from where you are,、mm. uh, explain where it's coming from,、mm. um, so that there's some context into that. This is something that I've been thinking about, and that opens up even more so because、mm. I'm actually sharing my story. Mm. You know, I mean, openly, transparently, kind of interlocking all the views, whether it be Instagram or whether it be Facebook, or whether it be a Facebook Live or whether it be whatever a tweet. I'm interlocking all of them into the same narrative because it's what's real.、Mm. It's what's actually happening.、Mm. So I don't see anything as online marketing or as you're sharing. You're broadcasting. I'm just broadcasting. Yeah, who you are, who I am. Yeah, I am the message. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But you're not right. But you are. <laughs> yeah,、mm-hmm. it's like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You are the message.、Yeah. 
Jesus said it really well. Don't do what I say. Mm. Do what I do. Mm. So the the broadcast is, and you are the message. Whatever that might be that's coming through you. Yeah. Because what's coming through you is awesome, brother. Thank you. You're on the journey. Thank you. With that said, um, one last, is there any call to action that you have for the people who are listening to this? What's the one call to action after everything you share, your journey, your overcoming, your reinventing yourself, um, what you're teaching, what you recommend the design principles, the having a vision, mock it up and then share it. And all of these um, principles that we've covered, plant medicine, you said a lot of Beautiful, said a lot of stuff. Beautiful yeah. gems. Um, is there what's one action that people can take on? Yeah, you know, I, I'm saying this to myself, um, and uh, and to you, and, and and to the people listening. You know, be easy on yourself. Um, relax into it. Um, it, it. It's it's easier when when it's you know. It's not that you're not going to take it serious. It's not that you're not going to like, you know, make moves forward and jump into action. It's not that. It's that you're going to do it progressively by matching the vision and matching the story itself as you're creating it. And then it unfolds. So what I'm saying almost is to be a little patient and to do the work of writing it down and like, articulating it and sharing it with friends progressively and be okay with that aspect of it, that early phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and let things unfold with more gentility mm-hmm. and less judgment. Like, be easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean work less, but maybe you do need to. <laughs> maybe you're working too hard. Um, but it means work more in tune with yourself, with how you're feeling mm-hmm. and where you're at. And don't stifle your emotional and personal life in order to create something. Mm. Beautifully said. Thank you, Jose, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, man.